Hello, and welcome to ADHD Essentials, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Mahan. I'm a former teacher and mental health clinician turned ADHD coach, trainer, and consultant. I can be reached at brendan at adhdessentials.com. Here at ADHD Essentials, we help families develop the skills and knowledge needed to better manage attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. Recently, I've been connecting with fellow podcaster Jordan Harbinger. Jordan is formerly of The Art of Charm, but has moved on to his own show, appropriately titled The Jordan Harbinger Show. It's what you'd expect from Jordan. Great interviews with successful people. I'm listening, and I recommend you do too. Anyway, over here at ADHD Essentials, we're up to episode 13. And today, we're talking to Kimberly. She's the mother of an almost 13-year-old boy with ADHD, and has learned a lot from the experience. In today's episode, we discuss the importance of seeing your whole child, and not just the ADHD parts, the challenges of independence in the adolescent years, and how to make your first car a Tesla. All right, let's get rolling. So you are a parent affected by ADHD. I am. I am the proud mother of Aiden, who is a uh, almost 13-year-old in seventh grade. He was diagnosed with ADHD in the third grade. So that's four years now you've been navigating these waters. Yes. I mean, it definitely was before the diagnosis as well. Um, you know, really for us, we have uh, two fantastic kids. Um, he has a younger sister, Abby, mm-hmm. who is now eight. And uh, I think we first realized that Aiden had ADHD when we had Abby because we as new parents didn't really know what it was like to be a parent or what kids were supposed to be doing or what they could be struggling with. And so we just kind of assumed a lot of his struggles were just normal children's struggles. And we realized when Abby, as a two-year-old, could go upstairs and do her bedtime routine without being prompted or reminded or asked, we started to realize that maybe what we were seeing um, were were real things that we needed to look at. And uh, it really helped us to sort of compare our children and know what their strengths and challenges were and uh, how we needed to start to identify some support for Aiden. Abby is eight years old. That puts her in second grade. Second grade. Yes, okay. correct. And that's a that's a pretty significant age gap. Yes, yes, it is. With that significant age gap, we saw a lot of independence from Abby at a very early age. Um, I think part of that is second child. I think part of that is girl. And these were sort of the process that our brains went through when we were first diagnosing Aiden. Of he was always very successful. He always did great in school. And I think diagnosing him was really hard for us because he wasn't, I think, the traditional, what we thought of as a child bouncing off the walls, or he was very successful with his grades, so he wasn't struggling in that area. So when we talked to his teachers about it, they were like, well, I think it's just normal. Maybe he's just a boy, and maybe he just needs to be more active. And so we really saw at home when we had Aiden sit down to do his homework, just sort of him literally sliding down his chair, you know, in third grade. And we're like, this just doesn't seem right. And we struggled as parents trying to figure out, are we supposed to be harder as parents or more strict or have more rules or tell him just to sit in the chair and suck it up. And we just saw that he couldn't. And we really, in our heart of hearts, knew there was something more going on with Aiden and wanted 
as parents to support him in the best way we could and started to seek out um, his third grade teacher was wonderful. She had a background in special ed and she really, when I first brought it up to her at our parent teacher conference, she said, I see what you see. And I, I get choked up just thinking about it because I really, I felt like somebody really believed me for the first time as opposed to just, um, you know, saying, oh, I'm sure it's fine. Or I'm sure he's just a boy or I'm, he's just, you know, it, just all these excuses that I think people kind of come up with. Um, and I just knew as his mother that he needed additional support and, uh, and we didn't know how to provide that. And what we were trying wasn't really working. So he was meeting success in school, like in the classroom, but the difficulty was coming with homework. Yeah. What we were told was by his academic team, uh, you know, he was meeting standards and we saw a really brilliant boy who sort of should be exceeding standards in our mind with his knowledge and his ability. And sometimes it presented as his desire wasn't lining up. And we knew he was very passionate about things, but really at home is where we were seeing most of the struggles when it came down to homework. What we learned later on in life with ADHD was sort of some of the inconsistencies when he could really hyper-focus or really focus on the things that he was passionate about. He was able to sit and build a Lego Star Wars Lego set for an hour so we were like, maybe he doesn't have ADHD because if he had ADHD, he wouldn't be able to do that. And we just really didn't know enough about ADHD at that time um, to really understand what was happening with our son. And once that teacher really had that breakthrough with us, I said, so, so what do we do? Like, how do we really find out if he needs more support and if he, and if we could be changing things as parents, we want to be able to help our child be the most successful he can be. And we are at a loss of how to do that. And without the diagnosis, I think it was hard because I didn't know what to research. I didn't know what to, to look up sort of my Google searches, you know, or parenting books were kind of coming up short of how to parent an active boy or how to parent a boy who has trouble focusing. And, you know, getting the diagnosis for me was something that helped us to be able to wrap our head around and understand mm -hmm. and then develop solutions for, because then it became a real thing for us that we um, had that moment of clarity. And I remember when we met with that neuropsychologist for the first time and he said, okay, we went through the whole you know, neuropsych workup and he said, you have a very brilliant boy who has ADHD. And I just cried and I cried because I felt like I finally got it. And then we spent the next hour going through what I like to call almost the manual of Aiden's brain. The things that he was describing of your son probably has troubles when he does this you know, scenario and X, Y, and Z, and he would name it. And I was like, that's it, that's it, that's him. That's what he struggles with. And in it, I just felt such a sense of relief and such a sense of uh, almost peace that now I could figure out what I needed to do as a parent to modify my communication style, our schedule, our you know, amount of structure or lack of structure um, so that we could be the best parents for Aiden and help him be the most successful child we could. It's really amazing how powerful gaining an education around ADHD can be, especially for parents. Yep. Things become more clear. All of a sudden you understand why your kid makes the choices they make <laughs> or sometimes doesn't make any choice at all. Absolutely. Before the diagnosis, our limited perception of ADHD is very different than what ADHD really is. And I think we didn't understand that. And I think it's just a lack of general and in my life um, with my social network, with my friends, my family, 
it's been really eye-opening for me to, I now know how Aiden's brain works and I know when I see areas, whether it's in sports or academics or social settings where we're at a pool party and all of a sudden he's floating off on his own and I'm mortified or glaring on him like, why isn't he playing with the other kids? And realizing that he just needs a minute to kind of chill out his brain and he's sort of self-soothing and, and going through a strategy that works for him. And I see, you know, as a parent, I, I feel nervous or anxious about it and how other people are judging him or thinking about him. And I've really learned how little information there is in the general population about ADHD and how I think ADHD sometimes in my experience has gotten a negative stigma around oh, parents are medicating their children and that's so bad. I can't believe parents would do that or they just need to remove sugar from the diet and that will solve all the problems or change a healthy diet. And all of those strategies are definitely things that, you know, everybody has a different experience and we've found, you know, different food choices to really help aid in a success. But it's really a big package that includes sort of social, emotional, educational, sports, academics, you know, interpersonal relationships. I mean, everything. And it, it, it's really, I really hope that I can continue to educate people about ADHD and our experiences and help them really understand others who might be diagnosed with a similar condition. What are you doing to educate people? I mean, really talking about it. I think there are, I find, I know a handful of friends whose children also have ADHD. And I remember when they first got diagnosed, they didn't talk about it a lot. And I always thought that was surprising. I'm a chatter. I know I will talk to anybody about my struggles, feelings, you know, excitements, challenges. That helps me to process and be a better person and helps me talk through and learn. Not everybody processes like that. I think right. sometimes people are embarrassed about a diagnosis or embarrassed that they have to medicate their child. I'm not like that. I think it's really important to understand every child, whether they have an ADHD diagnosis or not, needs to work on something. And all of us as adults need to work on something. And I think a diagnosis for me helped me really clearly define, I have the manual on our children. you know. And I think as parents, we joke of like, I don't, I don't know how they work. You know what I mean? I don't know how they operate. I and I feel like I do. And I feel like I was really given a gift of how to help Eden be the most successful he can be in understanding when he's not maybe the why. And, you know, we still are navigating every day, oh, <laughs> every yeah. day, you know, there are new challenges. Um, but I think I really try to be there when people do get that diagnosis or really be there for people, I call it pre-diagnosis, sort of that denial stage I see a lot of parents go through. I also see a lot of parents, um, and my husband and I went through this as well, of I was definitely more in tune to it. And I think my husband was really struggling with coming to grips with it and maybe not wanting that diagnosis and knowing that maybe life would be harder if he had a diagnosis and hopefully he doesn't really have it. And I think I see so many couples have that sort of relationship as they're learning how to best support their child, whether it's ADHD or not, and really coming together to say, okay, our child needs additional support. We've tried everything that we can. We're sort of at a loss. And I think as parents, that makes us very vulnerable. And I think that's where I think a diagnosis sometimes feels scary, feels overwhelming. I think people struggle with the idea around medication and you know us as well uh, when we had to decide is that definitely the route we want to take? And I remember it was probably about a weekend, Aiden just sat down and did his homework and I went into the other room and cried again. I mean, there's been a lot of crying, 
That was a week into trying medicine and um, and experimenting with dosages and experimenting with you know do we do a long acting, lasting or short acting and how does all this work? And he just was able to sit down and do it. At the end of that day, I wasn't yelling at him. I wasn't losing my patience. I wasn't frustrated. And in turn, he felt great about himself and that's when I started to realize that medicine is really a tool to help him feel successful because he was starting to see that he was really struggling in certain areas of his life and that doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. And he felt that he couldn't always control it. For us, medicine was the solution to help one tool that really could help him uh, be the most successful with then sort of all of the other behavioral modifications that we put in place as well and changes that we've made, changes in diet, et cetera, sort of create just this whole package to help him be as successful as he can be. Cool. There's a lot in there that I want to sort of poke around at. Yeah. One is around that diagnosis idea. And a, a thing I used to say, I don't know, four years ago, I kind of got away from this particular catchphrase of mine, but I used to tell people that the best thing about an ADHD diagnosis is an ADHD diagnosis. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because it defines our sandbox. Mm -hmm. and, and like you mentioned, you feel like you have the manual for your kid. Yeah. For most kids, kind of anything could work, which means we don't know what doesn't work and there's a whole lot to try. Yeah. But an ADHD diagnosis, we can really eliminate a lot of stuff. Yeah. We know a lot of what doesn't work for people with yeah. ADHD. And by nailing it, by narrowing it down, it's like you have a manual. It's like, oh, yeah. okay, my kid needs this. Another thought that I'm having is around medication and your son being in middle school. Mm. So he's hitting that adolescence stuff. That's a fun stage. Yeah. So I'm wondering, has he hit the point where he's being resistant? Oh, to I medication mean, because it makes them different or, or any of this? Is that happening yet? Oh, that has happened for a long time now. Um, Aiden probably is getting better with it. I have to be honest. And um, when Aiden first started to take medicine, it definitely was a relief for all of us because we really felt like our parenting and his ability were creating a lot of tension and frustration between us we felt like we were always nagging Aiden or poking at him or, you know, not physically, but just sort of mentally always just Aiden, it's time to brush your teeth. Aiden, what time is it now? Aiden, what are we supposed to be doing next? Aiden, it, it, that doesn't feel good for anybody. It didn't feel great for us. You know, we were exhausted and we hadn't even left the house at that point, you know, and just getting him out of the house in the morning was tough. Once in that, those are sort of as working parents, those were sort of the two times we got to see him when he had no medicine in him in the morning and getting him out of the house and doing all those tasks and being successful to set him up for his day. And we felt awful because we felt like, you know, it wasn't like rainbows, jazzy hands and butterflies as we were sending him off on his day. It felt <laughs> like we were like, he was frustrated with us. Like, he's like, back off. You know what I mean? I got it. And he says that a lot and he, he doesn't always have it, you know? And, and as parents, I think there's that normal middle school tendency as a seventh grader that he is, sort of the expert in everything and we are not right everything he learns he learns from youtube and sort of different strategies and he's really trying to be an independent guy are these strategies about adhd are these strategies just in general <laughs> yeah, what kind of both. strategies is he learning on youtube yeah you know um interesting ones um we've been really talking to aiden about 
recently about things like um, meditation. You know, we've been doing a lot of meditating on our own just to help us deal with life and so uh, mindfulness stuff. Mindfulness stuff, and uh, he could care less about mindfulness. And not only is he he's very resistant to it and very negative. I'm not going to do that. I'm no way. Why would I do that? That's just stupid. You know, it just it's so negative. And so we try to drill into that a little bit of like, tell me why you're feeling so negative about mindfulness. Like it's been around for a long time, you know? So the other day I said, when he was starting to push back again and I was meditating and I said, why don't you try it with me? Just try it for a few minutes and see how it works. And you know, he didn't want to, he's very resistant. And he, I realized, I don't know if it's just who he is or if it's an ADHD thing, he has to come to it on his own. Mm-hmm. And he has to figure out his path to doing so. And, you know, we've done a lot of research on food, done a lot of research on medicine. We've done a lot of research on other techniques like meditation and mindfulness that all we know can be helpful, right? To kids who are struggling with ADHD and he embraces some of them and resists some. And I think that's got to be his journey with his ADHD. And going back to your original question around medicine, I think the, the resistance has slowed down with the medicine because we made sure to sort of he would say to me, um, you know, mom, I don't need it for practice. I'm going to be fine for basketball practice. And my husband's the coach. We would say, okay, so let's try it and let's experiment to see what it looks like. You know, knowing that going in, this might not be the best practice. So we would trust him, you know, kind of honor his request in a situation where we knew we could, the consequences wouldn't be, you know, awful. And he would go to practice and he would struggle. And so afterwards we would sort of reflect on that to say like, how did practice feel for you tonight? And at first it was, Oh, fine. I'm fine. I was great. It was awesome. And then my husband would talk through like during this section, it seemed like you were having trouble focusing or, you know, you were fidgeting a lot during this exercise. Tell me about that. And we started to sort of show him different opportunities, whether it was sitting down and writing a paper, which is writing is really hard for him. And mm-hmm. that's where he can push through math homework. He can push through science homework. He can probably push through geography homework, but when it comes to writing, he needs, he needs, to be medicated and that helps him to be more successful in that area. He's now come around to that. And even just as early as tonight, he has a, a he's doing his bar mitzvah. We're Jewish and he has a big paper. He's going to write tonight in Finnish. And I said, how is it going today? And he said, um, I definitely am going to eat dinner and then I'm going to take my beds and I'm going to sit down and do it. And that to me was a big breakthrough for him because he sees it as a tool and not a crutch, not a negative. And I think he was viewing it as, always a negative. And instead now he sees it as a way that can help him to be the most successful. So that's great that he sees the medication as a tool to be successful, but he's not seeing the mindfulness there yet. He's not there yet. You know, it was interesting because at his last uh, pediatrician appointment checkup, the, um, our pediatrician, uh, who I think is wonderful, said to us, Aiden, have you thought about yoga? You know, boys really need typically more stretching because you do a lot of sports because he was testing some flexibility stuff with Aiden. And he said, you thought about that. And uh, it, I'm watching this interaction because I was like, oh, I can't wait to see how this goes down. <laughs> yes, like, here we go. And Aiden's like, no, I mean, I'm not really a yoga guy, like trying to be cool and, you know, do this whole thing, seventh grade boy thing. The pediatrician said, have you seen the YouTube video with so-and-so? And he totally made it. It wasn't like, your mom trying to make you take a yoga class with her. He made it like in a way, and there was this like link that he was telling Aiden about a cool guy, you know, in his twenties doing yoga. And it totally was more relatable to Aiden. And I had this aha moment of sometimes I'm trying to force 
my things. Mm -hmm. ADHD or not, I don't know many seventh grade boys in our social circle who were like, yeah, yoga, you know, and I, I, I really had to stop and think of, this isn't an ADHD thing. This is just a, I'm not cool. It's not cool to go to yoga with your mom. I mean, I don't know what I was thinking that I thought that was a great idea. And it was, you know, one of those parenting fails, I think, but I'm like, oh, shoot, just because I read the article about why it's good for you doesn't mean that's going to translate to him, you know, and the same with, with diet related things. You know, we've, we have directly noticed um, for Aiden, a link between sugar and um, his ability to focus. And we have we have not eliminated sugar for Aiden's diet. I would love if that could happen in our life right now. That's just not reality. So we sort of are meeting him halfway of if there's a time that you need to sit down and focus, then we're not going to have sugar before then, you know, and we're not going to send you off to school with a cinnamon button. That's not a breakfast, you know, and, and I know when we met with you, you had really talked about a higher protein breakfast is a great choice. And, and, you know, we really adopted that principle and we see him, in a game situation, whether it's basketball or golf, when he is fueled the right way, he performs better. We are true believers in food is fuel. And that's, I think we get away from that as a society many times, but it's hard when you're a seventh grade boy because the food that seventh grade boys want to eat is processed and colored dyes and sugar and kind of junky. And, you and I think, fit in. you want to, fit yeah, in totally. Seventh grade boys, you don't want to be going to lunch and you're the only guy eating a salad and hard boiled eggs. Correct. Yeah. And you know, I think we have to, we're learning how to parent a seventh grade boy every day. (laughs) We're sort of learning that. What we've learned is Aiden's desire and Aiden's ability don't always match up. And I think if we said to Aiden has always been very independent and always liked to be very mature and do things on his own. Um, He loves to cook. He loves to sort of stay home and watch his sister or, you know, why don't you and dad go out for a date? I got this. I can do this, mom. And I can, he really wants to prove that he can do that, which is great. And I love that sort of that self-starter sort of attitude for him. But with that always becomes the other day he made dinner and it was three courses and, you know, quite the extensive process. Wow. And while watching it was though hilarious because he's like, guys, I got this. I'm going to do it all on my own. I got this. I don't need any help. You know, and watching a boy without medication who has ADHD cook is, is hilarious because the order of everything happening, the, you know, he would jump from one to the next to the next. I'm thinking we're going to, it's going to be nine o'clock and dinner is going to be ready. And, you know, so we were trying to, to back off and give him that sense of independence, but also support him because we were hungry. And, you know, I know you want to focus on the salad right now, but the fish has got to get in the oven. Helping him to feel independent is really important to him. Um, and that's something that we really have to continue to work on as parents every day and remind ourselves about. What you're talking about reminds me of a quote, and I'm going to get the quote wrong, and I might even get the person who said it wrong, but the idea will come out correctly. I believe it's by Ira Glass, who does This American Life, and the gist of the quote, I'm not even going to try to get the quote right, is that great artists have amazing taste, but early on in their careers, their ability does not match their taste. And that's incredibly frustrating for them. And the ones who actually become great artists are the ones who are able to struggle through that gap Mm. and bring their ability level closer to their taste. And maybe they match it, maybe they don't, because probably their taste gets better too. But that sounds like it's similar to what Aiden is going through. 
Yeah, that's a great point. There's a gap between his ability level and his desire. Yep. And he needs coaching and support and help to close that gap. And framing it for him like that might be useful. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm sharing it with you. Yeah, that's great. I'm pretty sure it's Ira Glass. So you can also look for the quote and maybe get it that way. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. When I read that, I was like, oh my God, this is one of the smartest things that's ever been said ever. A lot of stuff crystallized for me. You know, and I I love his desire to be independent because I think- Uh, Ira Glass's desire to be independent or Aiden's? Aiden's, yeah. (laughs) I like like Aiden's, though I appreciate Ira's too. Um, It's really Aiden's that I'm concerned about because I think as a parent, my one job in life is to raise, to make awesome adults. You know, and I want Aiden and Abby to one day grow up and be amazing. And whatever that looks like for them, I don't care. But I want them to be nice people. I want them to be successful and feel whatever that means to them to feel successful. And I think I always think about independence being one of those things because at some point they're going to leave our home. And every day I think about Aiden's gap of when he's leaving us is, is shorter and shorter. And have I taught him as a parent everything that I need to do so that he'll be ready, you know, to tackle life on his own. And as a mom of an ADHD kid, I really worry about college. And I think about that a lot, probably more so, you know, my wake up in the middle of the night and worry about something sometimes comes back to that of, will he be able to be successful? And have I taught him all of the skills to work independently when he goes off to school? And will he, you know, remember to set his alarm and wake up? Will he remember to, you know, uh, go to class or is he going to schedule morning classes and that's not going to work for him? And, you know, helping him to understand. And I think as all of us, as adults, as kids, the sooner we can understand sort of all of our strengths and weaknesses and work to close some of those gaps or fill these support and resources to be able to do that, And I think one thing that I learned with Aiden recently, our seventh grade switched to the Google platform and Chromebooks in the classroom. And it's the best thing that's ever happened to Aiden. Aiden loves technology. He is a seventh grade boy living in 2018 and that works for him. And I watched him the other day when he was meeting with our rabbi and said, um, the rabbi said, can you email me the paper? He's like, I'll just send you the link to the Google platform. And you know, here's, you can just log in anytime you want and see my changes. He just did it right from his phone. He was so comfortable. So I said to him, do you want to start using like the calendar portion of your phone for reminders and updates and your task list and, you know, what that looks like? And we're starting to do that now with him. And I'm already seeing it's a medium that works for him. And Mm -hmm. that is great. Now, they also in the beginning of the year, give them books where you can write like with your, like your agenda, like a planner. He hasn't opened it once. Um, because it doesn't work for him, you know, and you would think like writing that, but the writing it down, the seeing it messy, all of that doesn't really support him, but the technology-based platform really works. And that, it makes me nervous because part of it, I was like, is he going to get distracted because he's going to look at his phone then he's going to be on the, on a video game, you know, and, but so far he's able to really turn on and off. I think just as well as any of us can, because I think we all get distracted when our phones, you know, I was really impressed by his ability to, and his passion for that modality It really is going to work for him. So I think continuing to help him find those on his own is going to be really important. Cool. Can I put my coach hat on for a second? Yeah, of course. Is that okay? Yeah, I'd love that. A couple of thoughts based on what you just said. First, I'm going to go back to college and then I'll move up to the technology stuff. Okay. One is he's in seventh grade. I know. I understand the college worries, but you have five years before he even goes there <laughs> or even 
almost. He's not even there in five years. He's still in 12th grade. I know. So you have plenty of time. Okay, good. As a guy who works with kids making the transition to college and then kids who make that transition without support and find out they need it and then they come to me, just from what you've said so far, you're already doing the kinds of things that he needs to have done. So he's got a leg up because you're reflecting about what worked and what didn't work with him because you're, you're embracing the things that help him be successful. Those are the skills that he needs to have to be successful in college. And he has five to six years to really develop. And there are plenty of kids in college who don't perfect that and still do okay. So he doesn't even need to have them nailed perfectly. He just needs to know that they exist and be willing to use them most of the time. So he'll be fine. (laughs) That's great. And if he's not, there's people like me who exist and can help him. There we go. That's all. Bounce back, you know, like exactly. That's completely a strategy that he can use. Yeah. It means you're spending a little bit of money here and there, but, but a, a lot of the time it's just a little bit of a course correct and then they're fine. Yeah, that's great. And then on the technology side, and this is just a, like a small thing. If he uses the calendar on his I, Chromebook, iPad? Yeah, on his iPhone now, I think is where he uses it most. Okay. I'm assuming it's a Google calendar. Is that? Yep, correct. If he's using that Google calendar or whatever the calendar may be, mm-hmm. both on his phone and also on whatever the tablet is that he has at school, mm-hmm. you can start setting reminders in the calendar yeah. that will show up while he's in class. Mm. So if you find that he keeps forgetting to ask his math teacher about a certain thing mm. that he's not understanding, you can set a reminder and time it so that it will show up while he's in math class. That's a great idea. It's worked wonders for lots of my clients who Mm. consistently forget to ask their teacher about that one thing. And it's been building and building and building. It's gone on for two weeks and now they're ashamed to even ask because there's all this guilt in there and shame in there. And so they're not even willing to anymore. With technology, you can jump the gun and get those things nipped in the bud faster. You bring up a really great point because I think in our school district in seventh grade, we're really seeing a switch of them wanting to, the kids to be very independent. Last year, we were able, there was a, a tool that we could use that almost looked like a Facebook platform, but we could log in and sort of the teachers would post homework and the parents had a login and the kids had a login, but we could see the same thing. We couldn't comment or that sort of thing, but we could see what Aiden was doing. Now it's just the kids that have the login. Now we've asked Aiden and we've set up a, an opportunity where Obviously, we can access it through Aiden's, uh, you know, account. Mm-hmm. What's important to Aiden in, in the sort of the negotiation we've we've had in our house is Aiden logs in, he does his homework independently, you know, on his own as much as he can, and he checks all those pieces. And then at the end, when he's completed, we then look at it with him, and we go through it with him and make sure that all of the pieces are completed the way that we both are translating them because Aiden is definitely a less is more kind of kid. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we'll read like the beginning of the comments that the teacher says, and then not the end. And the example I give is um, he's been doing really well in geography and it's not a course he was been typically passionate about, but is really connecting with this teacher and the teacher's doing such a great job of sort of presenting the data in a way that's really working for Aiden that he's doing well academically. And studied for a test. I studied with him. So I knew he did. And I, Aiden said, I said, what did you have to study? And he, what do we have to study tonight? And he said, well, I just need to know the, these countries. 
So we got on a map, we tested him, he did great, he knew them all, wonderful. Do you need to know the spelling? No. Well, I did not check at the end of that day. I trusted him, right, that he read the whole thing. Well, he just read the first part, that you have to know the capitals, the countries, their capitals, and the oceans. So he got a 40 on the test because he knew the countries and not the capitals or the oceans. And so Aiden didn't tell us, but his teacher said, listen, clearly something went wrong, right? Like that you got a 40, like you should, that's not typical. I'll let you make it up on Monday. So we talked to Aiden on Friday. Now we didn't know at this point that he got a 40. He didn't share with us that he got a 40. All weekend long went by. So he could have been studying and, and you know, thinking about it and processing it. And clearly the whole weekend, he was doing exactly what you just described, the sort of the feeling of shame, the feeling of guilt, the feeling of worry, thinking about it, obsessing about it. Because by the time we got to 9.30 on Sunday night, we kind of did our final good night, love you, see you in the morning. And he, he closed the door and he called my husband um, back in and said, Dad, I just need to tell you something. And that's when he kind of shared, you know, that he, ha he was able to make up the test the next day. So we said Aiden. And we tried at that point to be really patient, really empathetic, because at this point we're out of time, you know, and he's kind of lost this opportunity. And we used it as a great life lesson of you have to tell us even when it stinks, even when you know sort of, you know, you mess up, even when you know that you should have read the whole thing. And we kind of used it as a really great life lesson. Now, at that point, we said, we're also going to study right now and you're going to be a little tired tomorrow, but we do need to get a little bit done. And if we can study at least half of the capitals, then that will be better than a 40. You know, right. if you know the countries, we can get a little bit in and he ended up really being able to turn it around and dedicate his time. The scenario that you're describing here where, where the shame prevented him from wanting to do the work because addressing the problem is fraught with shame. And it's, it's not just the shame of that one moment and that one test. It's also all of the other times that forgetful or not reading the directions all the way through have bit him. So it's that pile, right? That's, that's the wall of awful that, that I talked yeah. about. Yeah. I don't want to skim by that without validating the fact that that is what's happening um, and honoring his experience. And also that related to that within that scenario is the pain and anxiety of having to own more of that shame by not getting a better grade on the retest and by not sharing with his parents that he had gotten a bad grade in the first place, finally built up enough so that, you know, the night before it's due, like any good ADHD kid, that's when he's going to do the thing, right? Correct, like, correct, correct. Right before it's due and I... Right. But also earlier, before you went into that story, you had talked about how in seventh grade, the expectation is that the kids are going to be independent and parents are not allowed to have the password to get into whatever the program is that tells you about assignments. Yep. And that to me is enraging because it demonstrates a fundamental lack of awareness about ADHD and a fundamental lack of awareness about where kids really are when they're in middle school. Yes, plenty of kids can be independent. Yes, there are parents who are way too involved and need to back off. But that is the exception and not the rule. So taking that tool away from parents is not a good plan. And especially kids with ADHD. If that's the plan, it should be an automatic 
that just prior to seventh grade at the end of sixth, the sixth grade year onto that 504 or IEP, you get the accommodation that mom and dad get the passwords for whatever they need passwords for yeah. because ADHD is developmental. Our baseline average is a two-year delay in development, which means your seventh grade kid is in fifth grade. Mm -hmm. And fifth grade kids were absolutely giving their parents those passwords. Right, right. So better to arm the parents and then have them not use it than to not give them that choice. Yeah, that's a great point. And I found last year when we were, I mean, let's be clear, we still log on to Aiden's, but when we were able to do it from our phones and Aiden didn't know, he felt very independent. And I think that's really the difference this year for us of he knows now we're going to log in and sort of check him, you know, and be like the big brother. And we've, you know, we've established sort of a happy medium where he's get to, gets to try it on his own. And nine times out of 10, he is able to do it all on his own. And that's really great. And we're so proud of that, that he is able to read it. He is able to look at it. You know, there's an email reminder. There's a, you can click on each day. You can project forward it. They put it in the form of a calendar. I mean, it really is such a great tool for him. I think just, we're his systems of checks and balances. And that's where when we're able to do it in a little bit of a sneakier way, <laughs> he doesn't feel as micromanaged and that helps him to feel better about what he does. And that's an awesome point. You being able to do it in a more subtle way mm -hmm. allows him to feel more independent and that's gone because of a school-wide policy. All the more reason to go and talk to the school. You can get that put on the 504, call their attention to this phenomenon that they're not aware of because schools, schools don't understand what happens at home. They really don't. And parents, in my experience, often don't share what's going on at home because they're afraid they're doing it wrong. They're concerned that it's just not going as smoothly as they think it should. And then all of a sudden at the IEP meeting, the teachers and staff find out that homework that they thought took 20 minutes is taking this kid three hours. And it's like, what, what do you mean? That's not, that should, because now the parent, the teachers are on the other side of that going, that's not how it should be happening. Yeah. What am I doing wrong? Yeah. Um, and one of, in this case, they actually are doing something wrong. They're not giving parents of kids with developmental delays access to stuff that they really need access to. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So we've talked a bit about sort of ADHD, where the struggles are, but I also tend to insist that I hear about the good stuff too. And there's lots of good. Yeah. The thing I love most about Aiden is his passion for what I feel like sometimes are some of the most random things that could possibly be out there. But when he is in it, he is in it. And we just embrace that passion and have learned about some of the most different topics that I never thought I would know about magnetism and electromagnets and chemistry and elements and all of these great things. I mean, he definitely errs on the side of math and science. That That is his brain and that's how his brain sort of processes and how things move. And my dad it was an engineer in his career and him and Aiden together are hilarious because there's always some sort of trip to Home Depot and PVC pipes and balls and they're strapped to my deck and there's things moving and flowing and going. And it's just, it's exciting to see Aiden just, he is a hands-on learner. And when he's in an environment where he can do that, it really gives me, again, that fear as a parent that keeps me up at night of what is Aiden going to be when he grows up? Is he going to not like his job? Is he not going to be able to focus? You know, again, 
college. Now I'm also worried about his career and his family and his wife. There's a lot of things, right? That keep, yeah, that keep me up at night. But in, in the process of, and I remember in meeting with you, you, you said, you know, a lot of kids with ADHD are entrepreneurs or when they find a career that they're passionate about, it works. And I can totally see that with Aiden because one of the things that we put in place with Aiden recently is um, my husband owns a mortgage company and having good credit and understanding finances is something he sees clients struggle with every day. So as parents, something that was fundamentally important for us is we want to teach our kids about money and understanding money and how that works. We've set up this system, you know, this sort of like, we call it a chore a day, you know, that they can look around the house and figure out what needs to get done and complete it. Sometimes it takes two minutes, sometimes it takes a half an hour, but not just like, you know, I call it the normal everyday, you make your bed because that's what you do, you know, but it's kind of the above and beyond chore. Mm-hmm. And with that, you get uh, once a month, we give you sort of an allowance system where we deposit a certain amount of money into your account. Aiden now has an app on his phone because remember, he's the technology guy and he can see the money going in. And in the 15th of the month, we take money out and we um, are trying to teach him sort of what that looks like around bills and how you have to make sure you have enough in your account to cover that and that lifestyle. That's really cool. Yeah. And when we take it out, it goes towards his, you know, his cell phone. That's really the only bill he has. And it's not the cost of a cell phone, but you know, for our purposes, for all intents and purposes, it works out okay. And then he uses all of his money for his, you know, his social activities and everything. But what we really wanted to teach was savings because at the core of it, that's something that's really you have to teach people how to save and how to do that because at first it was money in, money out in Amazon Prime was delivering every other day at our house. So we said, Aiden, if you will most likely purchase our son a car when he's 16, a used, you know, I'm thinking a used Honda Civic kind of thing, but or, or one of our cars, um, but so he'll have some sort of way to get to his activities and to potentially work or sports. Mm-hmm. So I said, whatever you have the day you turn 16 in your account will match it. And so that would be a little incentive for him to do that. Well. I forgot that our child is extremely passionate and maybe hyper-focused when he is uh, wants to do something and achieve a goal. <laughs> so my favorite story about Aiden is he's like, awesome, I'm going to get a Tesla. And so now Teslas are over $100,000. Um, <laughs> and since that point, and it's been about a year now, Aiden has saved, I can't even tell you how hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars, every gift he gets from someone, they're like, you know, my mom's like, what would you like for you know, your birthday? I'm thinking cash so I can put it in my account so I can get my Tesla. He has a Tesla sweatshirt. He has a Tesla water bottle that he purchased. But my favorite part of Aiden is trying to figure out strategies. He's, he has an entrepreneur's brain. About two years ago, he started a fudge company where he would make my grandmother's fudge recipe. And him and his friend would, and friends in the neighborhood would set up a table at the elementary school bus stop and sell it to all the kids when they got off the bus. I mean, they would make like $25, $50. Every, we had to stop that because the poor parents were like, enough fudge, you know? <laughs> but he's always thinking about ways to be innovative and creative and coming up with, honestly, brilliant strategies. So his newest one with the Tesla fund was um, he's... He, had all these cardboard boxes in his room one day and they were all tape and packing tape and scissors and all sorts of markers. And I was asking him to clean his room. I said, Aiden, what, what is this? He's like, mom, I'm just working on a project. Trust me. Trust me. Like I got this, like I got, you got, you got to trust me. I'm in seventh grade now, mom, you got to trust me. So they're still there a week later. I said, Aiden, I have to understand. Is there something growing in there? Are there any animals, anything that's going to go rotten or smell? Like what is in these boxes? Well, he's been collecting plastic water bottles, those like mini, you know, ones that you dispose of because they're um, a five cent deposit, but only in New York. So Aiden has been 
uh, hoarding water bottles, plastic water bottles, and collecting them from his friends, collecting them when he goes to basketball and kids leave them around in the gym and he brings them home. When we go to parties, he'll like put some in his bag and like take them home with him. And he's been like, like collecting these. Well, then he's been boxing them because my parents live in New York. And so every time my parents come out, he would send them home with labeled boxes that he would sort and he had them all organized and that he would have 50 bottles in each box. And when we went home in December uh, to celebrate Christmas with my parents, he cashed in and he got $54 worth of plastic five cent water bottles that he's been saving. And at one point he had his friend Dylan that he was giving him two cents per water bottle that Dylan would collect and Aiden would then collect three, you know? And so it was like a, he had like an empire under him of kids who were collecting plastic water bottles. And <laughs> we left the Super Bowl party with a bag of plastic water bottles from the recycle bin. It, my friend Christy dropped off a bag of bottles the other day. I mean, it, everybody is now supporting Aiden's passion because they want to see me spend $50,000 to match his 50 to get this Tesla when he's 16, you know? So, <laughs> but he, when he gets something like he's the kid that you know many kids will like get a get a passion for something and then two weeks later it's gone and he doesn't when he is in it he just keeps going and this has been a year you know and and it's it's really exciting because i think aiden has really taught us that when you get a crazy idea you just got to go with it and make it work and he reads a lot on the internet or gets books or you know podcasts or things or youtube videos about you know People like Elon Musk, who's the, you know, the inventor of, you know, that car, the Tesla and all these other crazy, absolutely like out of the box thinkers and um, dude perfect is a a group of, you know, young guys that he follows that have created this, you know, multi-million dollar business of doing trick shots with basketballs, but they've created business models based on their passion and dreams. And I really see Aiden doing that and not caring about the risk and not, doing what we do as adults of, Ooh, I can't do that because of, you know, and kind of letting those fears get in your way. So Aiden's really motivated all of us to just kind of follow your passions and dreams. And if you want to do something, just go all in and who cares, you know, and he just, he approaches life in a really cool way like that. That's great. Um, just being mindful of time. Do you have any final thoughts, any ending essentials around ADHD that you think the audience should know or hear? Yeah. So many, <laughs> but I really think you can um, always come back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. I've got a couple more episodes. I think I have a lot to share. Um, for me, I've really had to learn how to be patient. Um, patience isn't easy, and um, ADHD doesn't always make sense for me as a parent. And sometimes I just want to hug them and squeeze them all at the same time because my uh, my logical brain doesn't always match up with Aiden's ADHD brain and, you know, things like just sit down and do it. And we have been talking about it for 20 minutes. It could have been done. I've really learned a lot. And I think the patience that Aiden has taught me and the skills that I've really had to work on as an adult of learning to be more patient have helped me in every aspect of my life with communication, whether it's at work or home or friends or, you know, a colleague who's driving you nuts or a meeting situation that might be tense of just to take a step back, take a breather, you know, really kind of improve your emotional intelligence a bit with it and to really kind of stay as level-headed as possible is something that I've learned being a mother of a kid with ADHD. And that was unexpected. You know, I didn't really think that I, when I approached this journey, 
of now I have a son with a diagnosis. How do I help him be successful? I was focused on what Aiden was going to learn, what Aiden was going to change, what Aiden was going to do. And I think we've learned more along the way, my husband and I. And we also learn when we, we don't do it well and you can see it. We see how Aiden responds or we see that it doesn't work. And uh, it's been a great journey for us to really learn how to be better parents and better people. Hey, you're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. And don't forget to check out the website, ADHDessentials.com. And visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need.